Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tas Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Elaine Morrison. She's the founder and CEO of Elaine Wellness. Elaine, thank you. Thank you for uh, being a guest on the show. Thank you for having me, Tats. It's, it's an honor to be here. I love your background because it's quite a divergence for many of the guests we have, but we love learning from people that have very diverse experiences. I mean, when you were growing up, what were your thoughts around what you wanted to do or, you know, dreams? You know, when I think back when I was a little girl, I was fascinated with architecture and homes. And I have memories of like drawing floor plans. I used to love to, I don't know if you grew up with those wooden blocks. I grew up with, with these wood blocks and my brother and I could play with those for hours. And so I would just constantly, I loved to like build and sort of map out and dream like homes and things like that. And then as I got older, my mom was never the type that was like, you know, she wasn't into designing the home or furniture. That just wasn't her skill set. But I loved that. And around like 10, 11, 12, I was like, hey, mom, can I rearrange the furniture? And she was like, sure, go ahead. Then I was like, mom, I want to paint my bedroom. So she took me to the hardware store and bought me paint and let me paint. And so I think I had a lot of room as a kid to just kind of explore and be creative. So yeah. And then how did that translate as a, a young adult or earlier in your career? The truth be told, Tats, I wasn't a great student in high school. And so I really didn't want to go to college. And that was kind of horrifying to my parents who both had advanced degrees. So I decided not to go to college. And I was actually working for Pottery Barn, if anyone knows that store. Again, feeding that desire for home decor and things like that. And I thought, okay, well, I didn't like high school, but if I could take any class that I wanted to, what would I take? And there was a local junior college. And so I took an art history class and I was like, oh, wow, you can study this. And I loved the class. And then I also took, I live in Los Angeles. So I took a class through UCLA extension in interior design. And I loved that. So I ended up being an art history major and transferring to UC Santa Barbara. And that's, I also got to study some architectural history there with a a pretty well-known architectural historian. So it's funny, those things you like when you're a little kid often come full circle as an adult. Yeah. Did that translate into your first sales role? When I got out of college, again, I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. And I ended up going to a temp agency and they put me with this clothing company that made outerwear. And do you remember those jog suits that people used to wear in like the nineties? Yes. Okay. So they made that for JC Penney. So I worked there and then I ended up going to work for this woman who sold textile designs and color and trend forecast information and Pantone. So 
So I went to work in the, in the garment industry here in Los Angeles. It's a dog eat dog industry. And I was 100% commissioned sales. And I loved it because again, I got to be involved in people's design process. And I had everybody from probably my best account was this lady that designed a line of clothing for Walmart. And then I also had some home furnishings clients. So I had worked for Pottery Barn as a teenager, and then I was selling color predictive services and things like that to Pottery Barn in San Francisco. So I did that. I learned a lot about sales. That's for sure. What were your lessons? Obviously at hundred percent commission, you have a different mindset than someone that has a base. You eat what you kill, right? So, so, you know, you could go out, you could typically do six appointments in a day in LA traffic because I would drive to all my clients and you might go out and do six appointments and sell nothing, not one thing. Or you might go out and you might have a fantastic day. So, you know, my, my boss used to always say to us, like, you gotta, you gotta ride the peaks and valleys of sales. And it was hard at first. I, you know, there were definitely some days where I was like, why am I doing this? I don't like this. I don't want to do this, but it's really about building relationships. Sales always boils down to building relationships and that takes time. Yeah. And what were some of the things you found that is effective for you to build relationships? You know, connecting with people on a, on a human level, because none of us want to feel like somebody's coming in to just push something on us and just make a sale. And so in any job I've had, it's the ability, I call it the like 60 second connection, right? If I can remember what's important to you, maybe it's that you went on a vacation and I, when I come in and see you the next time, I'm like, Hey, Tats, how was your trip to Kauai? You know, or if you have kids, you know, Oh, how's your daughter's graduation or bat mitzvah? It's, it's remembering people's milestones in life and connecting with them on, on a genuine basis that matters. And I think that's a skill I just learned from my mom that comes in handy in life. It's just, how can you create rapport and connection with people? Absolutely. Now, from your sales roles, where did you go from there? So I was working in the garment business. I was hustling And, you know, I would be schlepping hundred pound suitcases upstairs and in and out of my car. And I mean, it was, it was not glamorous. And I was working one day and I get a phone call from my dad and he's like, honey, I'm in the emergency room. And my dad would like, never call me on my cell phone. This was, this was 2003, right? Cell phones weren't as omnipresent. And I literally was like, oh my God, okay, I'm dropping everything. Well, he ended up having quintuple bypass surgery. He spent 56 days in the hospital and I ended up quitting my job. My parents were in their early seventies and I basically spent a year helping my dad retire, dealing with a million dollars in medical bills, like all of it. And when I got on the other side of that, I was like, okay, what do I want to do? And my dad had to start 
cardiophysical therapy. And he could literally only do 30 seconds on the treadmill before he had to sit down. And I made a deal. I said, if you do your workout, I'll go do a workout. So I started working out and I loved it. And my trainer was like, what are you going to do? You don't have a job. Like, come on, you gotta, you gotta get a job. And I was like, he's like, why don't you, why don't you teach Pilates? You used to be a dancer as a kid. You love to move. Okay. I'll go to Pilates school. So I did. And here I am 16 years later and I still teach Pilates and I just got really interested in helping people with their health and their well-being. And it also gave me that opportunity to connect with people, which I ultimately, I enjoy. And that's part of, my, of teaching Pilates that I've really enjoyed. And also how can I add value to people's lives? How can I help them transform their health? Really based on what I had watched my dad go through. Yeah. So you've launched, I think on two separate occasions, different product brands. What were the, the stories behind those? Here I was teaching Pilates. I was managing two studios for a private club here in Los Angeles. And I think, oh, okay. I'm like the picture of health. Mind you, I'm working six days a week. I'm running myself into the ground, trying to be this picture of health. And I ended up getting diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is a thyroid autoimmune disorder. And on top of that, I developed psoriasis from my scalp to my ankles. And I went down this road of wanting to heal myself when I was told over and over again, it can't be done. You're only going to get sicker. And I just started reading everything I could get my hands on. And I radically changed my diet. And one of the things I did was add collagen to my diet because my hair was falling out and breaking. And for women, that's a really traumatic thing. So I add collagen. My hairstylist is like, oh my gosh, you have all this like baby hair growth coming in. What are you doing? Collagen. Now this was the early days of collagen. So then I get this wild idea of let me come up with something that makes it really easy to take collagen. So I came out with a collagen water, literally having no clue about the beverage industry. I was so naive. So I did that and I get all this attention for it. Shark Tank found me and I get written up in a trade article when I had no idea I was gonna be written up and I'm featured next to Bulletproof and next to Vital Proteins. And then the next day, the founder of Vital Proteins in his own name, orders my product off my website. He'd gotten a $19 million investment. And within a year, I, I was out of the business. Beverage just takes an incredible amount of money to compete. So I gave that up. I then went into powdered collagen, which is a whole lot easier. And that's what I've been doing since 2019. Wow. You've gone through a lot of personal growth and learning, digital marketing, all those things. Like how did that develop? What what did you learn? Because as an entrepreneur, there's just a countless amount of things you have to learn. <laughs> yes. It's it's constant learning. It's trial and error. As you and I were saying before we jumped on, it's like if you want to be an entrepreneur, you've got to be interested in like daily, if not moment by moment problem solving. So during COVID, so I'm based in Los Angeles where we've had pretty restrictive rules. So when COVID first hit and it was like, okay, you're locked in your house, you're not going anywhere. I was like, 
okay, I'm going to seize the moment and I'm going to like learn everything I can learn. And one of my Pilates clients, her son and daughter-in-law run a marketing agency. And I reached out to the son and I was like, oh my God, I'm trying to do Facebook ads. I don't understand. I'm confused. And he's like, you know what? We have this program. Why don't you join it? We teach you how to do everything. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm not a millennial, right? And I was like, I will learn. I will learn. So I learned in that year of 2020, I learned Facebook ads. I learned email marketing with Clavio. I learned how to do basic stuff on my Shopify site. And I learned the back end of Amazon Seller Central. So you can do hard things if you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you've won the praise of some very accomplished marketers. Oh, my dear friend, Lynn, who connected us. Yeah. And while you're doing this, you're rolling out now your second product. Right. Um, or it could be third. You're still teaching, correct? Right. What's your thought there? I know on Instagram, it looks really glamorous to be an entrepreneur, right? But the reality of entrepreneurship, especially in a product-based business is, you know, it takes, it takes a lot of money and you're not just going to be making tons of money the minute you launch your Shopify store. It, it just doesn't work like that. And so, yeah, I still teach Pilates partly because I love it. And I love my clients. I've had them for 10 plus years, but also it gets me out and doing something different. And it gets me out from behind my laptop and interacting with people. And the cool thing is, is my clients become my market research because they really are my target audience as well. So I'm making little mental notes about what are their pain points? What are they saying to me? What problems do they need solved? Like I'm making mental notes about that. Essentially, it sounds like even if you start ramping up, you're going to keep this connection with the community alive. Right. Because my goal too with my brand is to really create community. I'm speaking to women 40 plus and not a lot of brands are speaking to that clientele to that audience and they crave community. And that was part of my success. I no longer teach at that private club and I, I was teaching group classes and the success of my group classes. Yes, I'm a good Pilates instructor, but uh, it was the community. You're coming for the exercise, but you're coming for the connection with the other women in the class. Mm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the shift in marketing has gone towards understanding and being able to develop community at the next level. For you, what are the examples of community that you look to as kind of the gold standard? Ooh, a company that had, did it very early on was the clothing brand Lululemon. And what they did, they were one of the first, I think, in that sector to start doing like yoga classes in the store. It's a brilliant idea. Or I know they would do like certain stores. You could go for like a run with a trainer. They had all these different classes. So it's very smart. I'll get you into the store to take a free yoga class. And then you're in the store. Oh, look at all of our new clothes that we can offer you. So I see... 
I see a lot of different brands doing that now. I think it boils down to how can you add value to your customer's life? What can you offer them? Whether it's a free yoga class or whether it's, you know, for example, what I try to do is once a month I have, it's called Ask the Expert. And so I bring different experts in, again, based on listening to my clientele, what are their pain points? How can I bring them information that's going to help them? So there's a lot of different ways I think you can build community and add value. Wonderful. Well, you seem to run across different opportunities all the time. If you had to go back at any time, maybe it's when you started your first venture or whatnot, uh, when would you go back to and what would you tell yourself? Oh, when would I go back and what would I tell myself? So what I often say, when I was doing the beverage, I hired a consultant. She had years, like 20 plus years of experience in the beverage space. So I often let her tell me, you should do this. You need to do this based on my experience. I know, I know what's right, but always at the core of my being, when I knew that wasn't the right answer, I would override that. She knows she's been in the business. She has all this experience. She wanted me to hire a broker. He was a nice guy. I knew, I knew, I knew. I even said to her, I'm doubting this decision. No, don't doubt it. I know him, this, that, and the other. She was just in my ear and she was very pushy. And I think the people pleaser in me was like, okay, I don't want to rock the boat. She knows. So I would say, if I could go back in time, I would trust my intuition. Even when I had all these experts and I've been in the industry for X amount of years and I know that little voice inside of me that was like, "Mm, something's off, something's not right. I would listen to that voice. I like it. Very cool. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you wanted to share? Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, I think when you're an entrepreneur and you want to create a business, always be really crystal clear on your why. Why do you want to create this business? And if it's just because I want to be a millionaire or I want the money or I want the prestige or this or that, I think you and I can definitely say to entrepreneurs, it's likely going to take you longer than you think. And on those days where you're really soul searching and wondering, why did I do this? You've got to go back to this is this is the the deeper reason of why I want to be an entrepreneur. So know your why, trust your intuition. Wonderful advice. I agree with you 100%. Thank you, Elaine, for sharing your wisdom. Oh my gosh. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it, Ted. Thank you for listening to the Specified Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Tats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.